Weed, part two. If you're new to today's message, I'm not talking about cannabis, all right? I'm, I'm talking about something that God downloaded into me uh, a couple of weeks back, and uh, I thought it was fitting, and so I'm running with it. Whenever God gives me something, I love it because I know it, it just energizes me, and, I, and I'm hoping that the same is true for you. So last week I started the series Weed, and it's obviously W-E-E-D, which is an acronym for something, uh, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But uh, this is part two, so if you missed part one, I would highly encourage you to go back to our archive, live stream archive, and uh, listen or watch that uh, online. I highlighted how grass, typically anyway, is planted by humans, and weeds grow kind of on their own, but I like to look at it as God put them there. And that was my point, is that we, we all, like weeds, are planted somewhere. God puts you in a specific place, a specific family, a specific local church, so that you can put your roots down. How many can say amen? So be the weed. Now I know there's a, a passage in Scripture that talks about how the weeds and the, the wheat are growing together, and the weed's not the good part, all right? But just ignore that just today, anyway. Uh, weed, in this case, is a good thing, all right? Because they're tenacious, right? Uh, the other thing I pointed out was that we needed to stop thinking that this, the church, is a rest stop and look at it as our home. You know, when I'm on the road, I will use a rest stop. In fact, Usually when I finally get to one, especially in the UP, I'm grateful because it's been a couple hours, right? And the older I get, the less time in between that need to stop. But let me tell you something. I would much rather go home. How many know what I'm saying? I mean, your home is, is your comfort zone. And I believe that the Holy Spirit was sharing this with us just to say, look, you're going to find your comfort zone in the local church. But that means you need to find one. You, you need to put roots down. And I went into some other things, like, for example, weeds are resilient. You know, right outside this door, there are these weeds. I think they're called milk pods. Every year they keep coming back up. And somebody yelled at me one year. They said, oh, you know, those are monarch uh, butterfly caterpillar food. I'm like, I don't care. They don't look very nice with all my other plants out there. And, and this last week, I'm out in the field, and I found this whole, it's a great big, like, 20 by 20 area where milk pods are growing. And I thought, see, so I don't have to worry about the ones up by the building. God provided some more if they really need to eat. But weeds are resilient. Even if you pull them up, sometimes they, they just like to come back. They don't like giving up. And I think that's the church today. Hear this. We need to be resilient. And that means when somebody comes at you and they start pushing your buttons, you don't, you don't cock back. You pray. All right? You, in, in as best a way as you can, you put a happy face on with those people, especially you, June, right now, please, happy face, ha think happy face. Now, I'm, I'm messing with her. We go way back. I talked about how weeds put down deep roots so that when the drought comes, when blight comes, when whatever comes, those weeds, even though on the surface they might not appear to have a whole lot of life down below, underground they do. There's, there's taproot still hitting the water level, all right, which is important. In these last days, church, you folks online, in these last days, hear this, if our roots aren't deep, what's going to happen when, when the, the wave of, of persecution comes? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be plucked up so fast, 
you're going to end up dying. All right, your spirit man, your spirit woman is going to die if you don't have roots down. We need each other. This isn't the day to be playing games. This isn't the day to to be uh, just one of those lethargic Christians. You have got to be intentional or you're not going to survive. And I'm telling you, you're going to understand this as we go deeper into this darkness. You think what we see now is it? No. uh Uh-uh. We ain't seen nothing yet with what's coming. And we had better be together. We're better together. That's something the Assemblies of God did last year. It was a, a tagline. We're better together. Why? Because we hold each other up. When we start to get persecuted, we have each other to hang on to, to encourage. And if you're new to the faith, what I'm saying is so important for a baby Christian. You really need to get people around you that you know and that know you so that when you go through these kinds of things, it's it's not going to shipwreck you. It's not going to take your faith. It's only going to increase it. And that's what God wants to do. There's a permanency in belonging to the local church. Meaning that you feel good when you come in here because it's familiar. And it also produces this, loyalty and faithfulness. When you're permanent in a, in a wherever it is, there's a loyalty, there's a faithful aspect to that. And I said this last week, but we need this in the church today. If that team had not shown up, and you you think, well, yeah, they came in today. No, they were here Thursday night. They were here Friday night. That's loyalty. That's faithfulness. Why? Because when they stepped into this role that God gave them, they wanted it to sound good for the church. For you. We need loyal people. Faithful people in the church who are willing to give of themselves whatever God has gifted you with, willing to give that back so that the church can flourish. And then I went into uh, the next part of my message, the first W. Well, wait, I went through this first. Be resilient, be loyal, be faithful, and plant your roots deep and flourish. Then I went into this. The W stood for? Worship. We all have something to thank God for. And the reason we come into a place like this is because of everything he's done, everything he's doing, and everything he's going to do in our lives. It's so important that we lift up the praises to God. Amen? I talked about how only spirit can commune with spirit. And John 24, 24 says... Read this with me. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So this is a very important aspect of the weed. Poke your neighbor and say, hey, you're a good-looking weed. Come on. Some weeds are really awesome looking. Some maybe not, like, like, like the milk pod thing. Anyway. All right, and then the last thing I pointed out was Psalm 156. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's what we did this morning. It's not just singing. It's not just music. This is something that resonates from within us. And the more time that you spend with God, and, and, and I'm sorry, I didn't ask her again, but Pastor Barb, you know, I, I love you. And, and she goes into her office or sometimes downstairs in the morning at 5.30 in the morning, and she just worships. Now listen, to the normal ear, the dogs are barking. But I, I, I believe this with all my... To me, this has happened. To me, I enjoy it now. As off-key as it might be, because I can sense God communing with her. When she worships. That's the kind of relationship God wants with you. So be a worshiper, all right? 
The, the next part of this, and this is where we're going today, the E stands for, say it, evangelize. I like that picture there. You're going to see a lot of it. Now, evangelizing, or the idea of evangelization, it's probably one of the least liked areas in the church. It's a close second with tithing, if you know what I'm saying. They're both painful, (laughs) but they'll both bring a blessing, not just to you, but to others. And I believe that blesses God, which in turn causes him to bless you. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? As I see it, though, the reason for this is that most Christians don't understand what evangelization means or they don't recognize that it's a command from Jesus. If Jesus told us to do this, how many would say we should do it? Two of you said yes. Amen. How about the rest of you? Are you still thinking about that? If Jesus told us to do something, should we do it? Thank you. A little, little heartier message. Still a handful of you. You're the ones who are struggling with this. Because it's not the easiest idea. Evangelization is not the easiest thing to do. But I want you to listen to the words of Jesus. And, and again, this is post-resurrection. This is right after the Lord came out of the grave. And he had visited with all of his disciples. The Bible says there were some 500 that he met with over about a 40-day period. And in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he said this. Excuse me. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them, these new disciples, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Can you grab hold of the two important parts? Can you say it? Go. Go. And make disciples. Go and make disciples. Say that with me. Go and make disciples. One more time. Go and make disciples. That is what evangelizing means. Go and make disciples. Showing people how to obey his commands. What are his commands? Where do you find them? In the Bible. So what are you actually saying? Go and show people God's Word and help them to become disciples. Learners. Learners. That's what a disciple is. It's somebody that's learning about someone or something. Are you hearing me today? This is what the church is supposed to be doing today. And then, if you jump over to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it talks about But you will receive power, and this is Jesus again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When you apply power to something, that power energizes the device for a purpose. And I have a little demonstration. If I, if I go off screen here just for a minute, excuse me. I have a little, little, little demo here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, Clarence. I think I did it without tearing it off. So what is this? Okay. Somebody should have tightened this down first, and I didn't do it. All right. So, what does this amazing thing do? Boy, you guys are smart. It it does what? Shines light. Well, it doesn't actually shine light, but it, it is a light, right? 
But right now, what good is it? This is what I like to call a boat anchor. It is. Because without the power, this device, this what we call a light, is useless. However, and I'm going to try to do this at first. Oh, cow. Oh, there, there, there. You see that? Yeah. Okay. How many can... Hey, can you black out just for a minute? Just black it out. Yeah, there we go. Now, okay, it's dark in here, but... Is it? You can still see it. You can still see the whole room. Because of this one... Well, it's really pretty big, but... Uh, how many get the idea? With power, this light does what it's made to do. You turn the lights back on. Without the power, though, it's a boat anchor. Okay? You with me? How does that relate to us? What's the purpose What's the purpose of the power? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What is the purpose? It, the words right there. Second line, and you will be my witnesses. So God gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to Help us to witness. Does that make sense? Is it clear? I mean, am I, am I going anywhere I shouldn't? Am I being untheological at this point? I don't believe I am. I, I think this is what God wanted us to do, and he spent his whole earthly career doing this. Didn't he? What did he come for? To tell us the good news about his father. Every time somebody asked, he said what? I am busy doing my father's work. Which was what? Telling people about God. Telling people about heaven. Telling people about what was in store for them if they had a right relationship with the Lord. And when he went to the grave, a lot of people thought it was over. Some of them went and hung their heads in an upper room, but Jesus came. Well, he didn't actually knock, he just walked through, but... woohoo! That would unnerve you. Hey, anybody recognize this guy? He looked different to them because they didn't all at first, recognize him. So in his glorified or almost glorified state, he looked different. But Jesus came and he spoke to them and he said, this is what I want you to do. And then he gave them that, that last little nudge and he said, I want you to go wait in that upper room. Acts 2, 1 through 4. I want you to go and wait. And the Holy Spirit came on them. The Bible says it looked like tongues of fire on their heads and they all began to speak in a language they did not learn. We call it glossolalia. We call it tongues. And those people were changed. They became powerhouses for God. And In fact, Peter and John, they were the first ones to step out of there and they began preaching right away. Amen. Let me tell you what this is all about. Because they were accused of being drunken. And Peter said, come on, it's 9 a.m. in the morning. Really? You think we're drunk? And he began to tell them about the Jesus that they'd hung on the cross. And how he was buried, but how he rose from the dead. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's good news. That's the good news. Now, what is a witness? How many of you watch any of those crime dramas? Shame on you. No. 
I, every now and then I, I, I see one. But what do they usually look for when someone has been murdered or whatever? A witness. Can I get a witness? And what does a witness do? They tell what they saw. They tell what they saw. That's what you and I do. Church, point to your neighbor and say you're a witness. What are you a witness to? All right, hear this part, because this is important. Every one of us in this room have been introduced to Jesus. If you're born again, you have been introduced to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then you took another step. You said, Lord, forgive me and wash me clean. And this is the good news. He did that for you. And then what happened? Hopefully, you were different post-born again. Hopefully, everything about you began to change from the inside out. That's what God does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't want you to stay the same. If you look just like you looked before you met Jesus, ten years later, there's something wrong. You should be different. Thanks to God. Thanks to His sanctifying Spirit. Meaning, it's a, every day He does something new in your life. Every day He removes something or He adds something back. He's the creator. He's the potter. He knows you better than you know yourself. When we put ourselves in God's hands, there's no better place to be. And as a result, you have a story. You have a story. And your story begins at that moment of being born again. When God spoke into your life, breathed new life into you, and said, now you are a new creation. Now he can bless you. Now you can have that vertical relationship with him like never before. All because of what Jesus did for you. That's what we have witnessed. All right? So when I ask, what have you witnessed? How many can say, God is good? God has done amazing, marvelous, wonderful things in my life. I almost, because I'm the preacher, I'm the pastor, all right, so I'm up here every week. You've heard my story, if you've been here any length of time, you have heard my story over and over and over. But in my own life, prior to my meeting Jesus as my Savior, I was a cussing fool, a drunk, etc. I, I I would say I abused my wife verbally. I wasn't nice to her like I should have been. The woman who was burying my children, I was just a miserable wretch. And you know who I thought about most every single day? Until I met Jesus. 23 years old, and God, He just showed up. He showed up. I invited him in. I gave him permission, and he showed up. And he changed this miserable wretch into something that was usable, something that someone who could begin to love. I didn't know what it meant to love people. And he showed me. And, and hopefully my wife will agree that I was changed. That cussed fool, he was gone. And, and it's not like this for everybody. But in my case, it was gone. In an instant, just like that, God took it all away. I smoked several packs of, of cigarettes. I drank too much. I did other things too much. God took it away. 
It doesn't happen like that with everybody. I'm going to say it again just because if it doesn't happen to you and you're praying, just let God have you. It'll come if you don't give up your faith. Because we're all different. But in my case, it was instant. And I went home and I scared the daylights out of my wife because she wasn't born again yet. And she thought that the drugs had pickled me. She didn't get it. But after watching me, hear this, after witnessing who this new Norman for three or four weeks, she liked it. She knew that I much rather have this crazy Jesus freaky guy, the old cussed Norman who was drunk most of the time. And she said, if that's what God can do for him, I'm in. I'm in. Hear me. This is what you and I are supposed to do in this world. People hang out with us and they go, you know what, if God can do that for you, maybe he can do that for me too. That's what it means to be a witness to the power and love of God. And that's what the Lord wants us to do with these lives. Yes, worship him. Begin there. You've got to have him in you. But the next part of it is you need to tell others. You know the first thing I did? I scared every single one of my best friends off. They'd come over, and after every time they came over, every time I said something about what Jesus had done in my life, how God was my rock, how he ruled my life, they got so tired of hearing it, they stopped coming. And I'm not saying that's the best way to evangelize. But as a new believer, I couldn't shut up. That, that fire was in me so deep and so strong that when I'd get around somebody that was living in sin, I had to say something. And it drove them off. I wish I could go back and maybe redo some of that. It worked with my wife, but with my best friends, it drove them off. And I'm only saying that just to say, you know, we all need to be careful. Be led of the Spirit. Let God tell you who to minister to and how. And I'll get into that just a little bit more here as we move on. I, I wanted to point a few things out. First, being a witness for Jesus is not that difficult. However, by not sharing our story, it negates our purpose. And I think many of us have gotten comfortable with not sharing our story. Are you still with me? I'm going to go back to the Old Testament briefly. I'm going to look at Isaiah. And there are a few passages I wanted to share. And it's, it's interesting because Paul actually shares these same verses in a little bit of a different light, but he's talking about us being a witness. So it starts with Isaiah 43, and I'm going to read verses 10 and 11. And, and I didn't say this, but this is uh, the NLT today. But you are my witnesses, O Israel, and God speaking through the prophet says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me. Believe in me and understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There never has been and there never will be. I, yes, I am the Lord and there is no other Savior. This is like the first part of this that God's saying to the Israelites, look, I, I made you to worship me. I made you to believe in me. And now, this next part, watch this. Watch this. Chapter 44, verse 8. Do not tremble, do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my purposes for you long ago? Are you with me? What's it say next? You are my witnesses. Is there any other God? No, there is no other rock. Interesting. Who's, who's the rock? 
Jesus. There is no other rock, not one. So I want you to see this. The Lord is showing the Israelites way before Jesus. You are my witnesses to my power, to my love, to all that I am. I have revealed myself to you, and now I want you to go out and show others. Isaiah 49, 6, he says, You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. I will make you a what? Remember this? I will make you a light to... What are the Gentiles? Non-Jewish people. So everybody else besides the Jewish people. God said, I will make you a light to the rest of the world. My paraphrase. That's what he was trying to do with Israel. But they failed their mission, at least at that point. Jesus came. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was the light. Jesus shared himself with the people. Jesus went to the cross. He died for our sins. He was buried. He rose on the third day, and then he went out and said, Now you are it. It's your turn, people. Speaking of being a witness and being a light. And then it's very interesting in Acts chapter 13, jumping to the New Testament. And here, uh, the Apostle Paul is speaking, and he's quoting these passages from Isaiah. This will fulfill what the Lord has commanded us. And by the way, this is the Passion Translation. I have destined you to become a beacon light for the nations and release salvation to the ends of the earth. Church, if, if we can grab hold of this, what God's trying to do, we are that beacon light. That's why I chose this picture of a beacon. You know, when, when ships are coming into a harbor and there are a bunch of rocks, the best thing to do is plant this gigantic light on top of it so even in the darkness they can see that there's a big light up there and they're smart enough to know don't go there. In this case, we are drawing them in like a, a light draws in a moth. So it's a little bit different, but it's the same idea. We're here to save people. We aren't saving them. Jesus does that. But we're here to tell them how to get saved. What God's done for us. How he saved us. That's our mission. That's our purpose. You guys are so quiet. After he said this, read what happened next. Verse 48, when the non-Jewish people in the crowd, the Gentiles, heard these words, they were thrilled and they honored the word of the Lord. All who believed that they were destined to experience eternal life received the message. In other words, they believed it, they prayed it, they said, God forgive me, and they were born again. And I love verse 49. God's word spread like wildfire throughout the entire region. What spread? God's Word. God's Word. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. God's Word. The Apostle Paul told the church that their destiny was to be a beacon of light. I've already said this, Jesus came first. He showed us the way. And then he told that 500, now you go do the same. And then that 500 began to minister to others and they began to raise up disciples. And every day, every day, hundreds if not thousands were added to the church. That's what happens in the book of Acts if you read it. The church blows up in a good way. Thanks to the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And the church does what it's supposed to do. It carries out its mission. It takes care of the sick, prays for them. It, it brings, they bring food in for the widows. Back then, they didn't have Medicare and Medicaid. They didn't have all the stuff we have today. Somebody had to take care of those ladies or they would starve to death. The church did that. They met the needs. And people got saved because of it. They believed that it was truth. And they gave their lives to Jesus. That model has been carried out over the past 2,000 years plus. Now it's our turn. Just as a runner in a marathon passes his baton to the next person. It's our turn. We have a cloud of witnesses, according to Hebrews 12, watching over us. Cheering us on, jeering us on, if you will. Go church, go church. Why? So we'll cross the finish line. I believe this generation could be it. Young people in this room, you could witness Jesus coming back for us. That's exciting. And when it happens, it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. The, the trumpet's going to blast, and all those who are dead in Christ, and then the rest of us are going to follow. I don't know about you, but it couldn't happen anytime too soon. <laughs> the more I see around us, the more I'd like to see that happen. But then my logical side thinks about it. And I think, how many people do I know who aren't ready? Family? Friends? How many people? And then I'm like, that's the selfish Norman again. God, while I'm here, use me. Help me to be a witness, a light, a beacon light to the lost, testifying to your love and your power through Jesus Christ, our, the Son. We must together share our stories and testify to what Jesus Christ has done for us. If not us, then who? Does the world need good news? Does the church have good news? So what are we the hope? What are we the hope? The people of the hope. What are we going to do with that good news? Ignore it? Forget it? Share it. This is so important. If you just look around yourself, if you look at the news, if you look at our neighborhoods that are imploding, our cities, everywhere we look, we see wickedness growing. And again, to quote Isaiah 520, this is a good news translation, you are doomed. You call evil good and you call good evil. You turn darkness into light and light into darkness. You make what is bitter sweet and what is sweet you make bitter. This is what we're seeing today running all across our nation. It's not about America. It's not about the United States of America. It's not about government. It's about Jesus. Because he's coming to set up a new government, a righteous government, and we're going to govern with him. But in the meantime, we have the good news and people need to hear it. And we aren't telling them. The devil has done a wonderful job of muzzling the Christians. No more, church. No more. We have got to start telling people about Jesus and about what he's done in our lives. And if you don't have a testimony, then you need to get one. 
Are you born again? Then your life ought to reveal that. And people ought to be going, man, I remember the old you. You know, I've, I've shared this too, but there are a lot of new people in here. We were sitting at, at Bill Knapp's. That dates us. We were eating at a Bill Knapp's restaurant, and, and I, I love that place. Oh, their cheddar potatoes were so good. Anyway, now I'm getting hungry. That's why I did that. Aren't I bad? That's the bad Norman. I'm hearing, did I hear somebody's stomach grumble? So I'm, we're eating our dinner, and the waitress came by, and she, she just took one of those double takes. And she looks, and she goes, Norm? And my wife was with me, so she'll verify this. And I said, yeah. And she told us her name, and she goes, I thought you were dead. That's how bad it was. I mean, that's how bad I was. I thought you were dead. She couldn't believe I was in my 20s now. I was born again now. And then my wife, with a big grin, goes, and guess what he does? <laughs> oh, it was so cute. That's what God can do. I thought you were dead. No, I'm alive thanks to Jesus. I'm alive in the Spirit. I'm alive because God loved me and He loves you too. And He wants to give you everything He's given me and more. But we can't be muzzled. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to be so, quite so loud. We can't be muzzled anymore. People are dying. People deserve to hear. What if we were to share the good news of Jesus Christ with a new Holy Spirit-empowered effort and determination? Do you think our nation would change? What about our world? I think it could and it would. Do you know we have missionaries that we're supporting who we've sent across the globe to share this good news? And they are. While we remain silent here in our own country, the sending country, do you know that there are countries that are sending missionaries to the U.S. now? Because we're quiet, they have to be vocal. That's an embarrassment to, as far as I'm concerned. We ought to be the ones out there today screaming about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Looking for the people that are hurting and saying, I may not have all the answers, but I've got one. I can give you hope, man. Or I know somebody that can. His name, his name is Jesus. Okay, moving along, quick. Matthew 10, 5, 10 through 16, and this is the passion. I wanted to read this because here Jesus talks a little bit about persecution. And then he goes into where I'm heading today, all right? How, how you are, excuse me, how enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what is right. Jesus is saying that if you're persecuted for him, that that's actually going to enrich you. It's like pouring uh, uh, dairy dew on your flowers. It enriches those plants, and next thing you know, the they just bloom. And that's, that's no. <laughs> I can't believe I did it that time. That's what God wants to do with us. But sometimes... Having people come against you actually helps you to rev up, to revive, to vroom, 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 vroom. Like, you, you know how you do that on your gas pedal? We used to anyway. Don't, don't do that with an electric car. <laughs> how enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what is right for that is when you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. Ah, 
How many are ready to get slapped? How many are ready to be called something you don't want to be called for the sake of the kingdom? Now, if you're just antagonistic and mean-spirited and people are doing that to you, you deserve it. Right? Don't, don't confuse. I want to add to the, the righteous part, all right? You're doing this in righteousness. The next part of this. How ecstatic. I love the words that they use in this version. How ecstatic you can be when people insult you and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So the love you have for Jesus is evident. They know it. There's no question in their mind. You are one of those kind. You're, as they used to call them, you're a Jesus freak. Jesus loves my soul. Hallelujah. So leap for joy. Since your heavenly reward is great. I'd ask you to leap, but you're all sitting down. That'd look funny. Leap for joy since your heavenly reward, reward is great. For you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. This is nothing new. But it's part of being a Christian. It's part of being the church. We're going to get persecuted. Well, I don't, they said I can't go out there and tell somebody about Jesus, and if I do, I'm going to get a fine. <laughs> Big deal. Get a fine. Get a fine. If that person ends up coming to Christ as a result of you getting a fine, then it was worth it. But if I tell somebody about Jesus, I might get fired from my job. You know what? You don't think God can take care of you and get you an even better job? If somebody needs to hear about Jesus, you need to tell them if you're the one that's in their life. We have got to stop being quiet and start being vocal about who we love. Be ecstatic when they insult you. Hallelujah. The first part of this relates to the second part, and this is where I was going. The church, hear this, the church is what seasons the world and makes it good or not so good. You're the salt. You're the seasoning. Listen to what Jesus said. Your lives are like the salt among the people. But if you, like salt, becomes bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Who wants to be useless in the church? Anybody? I don't want to be useless. I want to carry out my purpose. And according to this, my purpose is to be the seasoning. Verse 14, your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop, and who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. And then the final verse, so don't hide your light. Say that with me. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. Then they will actually want to know more. Then they will invite you to share your story and how you came to be who you are in Christ. The more good deeds we do, the more good things we carry out, the better off we're going to be seen. The world needs the light more than ever before, and you and I need to testify to what God has done for us. How He has set us free from sin and from death. We need to carry the light that we have, the Holy Spirit, into this dark world, 
even if it means we might be persecuted, punched, beaten, or whatever the devil has to throw at us, we carry out the mandate of Christ to go and make disciples. I began with how evangelization or evangelizing gets a bad rap in the church. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can rebel against the devil muzzling us or whoever the puppets are that the devil is operating as his minions telling us we can't. The result is that people no longer know what it means to be moral, to be good. In fact, their compasses are no longer heading toward true north. They're all over the map. And the only way to change that is to get them to point back to the true north, and by that I'm talking about Jesus. Point them to the one who brought you and me the good news, who paid the price for our forgiveness and washed our sins away. That's what we need to do as a church. And I go back to what I started with, if not us, then who? If not you, then who? This generation, and I think you'll agree with this, it's about to slip into a darkness that few have ever seen. But I believe, and I'm saying this from my heart, I believe what God wants you and I to understand is that it doesn't have to be that way. As long as the Holy Spirit is still in His people, as long as you and I are still hope bearers, light beacon sharers, this world still has hope. It isn't until we're lifted off this planet that everything's going to go dark. So in the meantime, it's up to us. If not us, then who? I have a short video to watch, and then I'm going to close. Go ahead and play that if you would. Time is of the essence. We must act. God's not asking us necessarily to reach across the globe. He's telling us to start with where you live, where he's planted you already. And then if we can get this community up and running with the hope of Jesus, then we can move on, then the state, then the country, then the world. But we've got to start here. And I hope this message today encourages you as you look at being a weed, be a worshiper, and evangelize. Tell people your story. We carry the beacon of light Paul talked about when we carry God's love. I don't have control of that, guys. Can you do the next one? Carry God's love. Be Jesus with skin on, all right? People need to see Jesus. We need to meet felt needs. It might be somebody that needs a ride. It might be somebody that needs food. It might be somebody that needs prayer. It might be somebody that just needs a friend. Let's be that. Amen? Bring people the hope of Christ. That's our purpose. God's plan. Share how God saved you. Share the salvation message. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. People don't realize that they're sinners and that they need forgiveness. And last but not least, share your story, which is really His story. That's what it's all about, to be the church. Go and make disciples. I promise you as your pastor that I'm going to be more intentional with this idea than ever before. That this church is going to be more intentional. And if the Holy Spirit gives you an epiphany, some kind of wonderful way to reach the world, Email me and tell me what that is. Talk to me and let me know what that is. But 
Don't catch me after service, though, to do that. Because that's when I'm trying to meet people that are new. And it's really hard for me to uh, get to know anybody if, if you're trying to tell me something that we could talk about later in the week. I want what God wants. I want people to be saved. Just like I was. God sent people into my path. He, he grabbed hold of Norm his way. And he wants to use us to do the same with others. How many are in? How many, how many will raise your hand and say, I'm in? Go and make disciples. Would you bow your heads with, with me just for a minute? If, if you're here today or if you're here online and you'd say, Pastor Norm, I don't think I've taken that first step, but I would like to do that today. I'd like to ask Jesus to change me just as he has for you and many others. If there's anybody here today and you'd like me to pray with you, would you just lift your hand up real quick so I can see it? Anybody, you, you just know that in your heart you need Jesus and, and you want this pastor to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, anybody at all. All right, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? All right. God bless you. And I'm certain that there are people online uh, who are watching who you probably just raised your hand where you're at in your own living room. I want to pray with you. And I'm going to ask everybody here to pray this as a family. And if you lifted your hand up, just pray this as though you're speaking it to Jesus himself. You ready? Join me. Father, I need you. I need the love that you sent to this world through Jesus. Today, on August the 23rd, 2020, I ask you to forgive me. Wash me clean of all my unrighteousness and make me a new person. And today, I yield to you and I ask you, Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you all the days that I have left. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant business, the Bible says you are now born again. You are a new person in Christ. And now you need to live for Him. Now you need to discover what that is like. And if you would like, a, we have a little booklet called The Seven Basics. Grab one of those on your way out. They're free. And uh, if you would like one of those online, you can, email, or you can email us. Yes, email us. That's a great way to do it. Email norm at gaylordchurch.com. See, I'd like one of those books. Give me your address. We will mail it to you if uh, that's you at home. So listen. Now's the time. This is, the message is done, all right? We're done. Now is the time when you put feet to those prayers, when the rubber meets the road. Go out and tell somebody. Look for people. Look for up. I pray this. Lord, I pray that tomorrow you, or today in this case, Lord, I pray today. I'm, I'm kind of praying a prayer. I pr I'm going to share this real quick, all right? I'm going to let you go. So last Wednesday night, I prayed. I said, Lord, put somebody in my path tomorrow that I can pray with. And the next day came, and I was busy doing things like we always are. And I get a call from my son, and he said, Dad, can you help this guy out? He needs a ride. And I, I finally said yes. And I won't go into all the details other than to say, I went, I picked the man up. And, and on our way there, I just said, did my son tell you what I do for a living? And he said, no. And I told him, and I said, you're an answer to my prayer. And he looks at me, and he goes, no, you're an answer to my prayer. And I just said to him, I said, is it all right if I pray with you before you go get your car? He, go, he said, I would really, really appreciate that. God lined that up. So don't call me for a ride, by the way. If you're not a total stranger. 
Anyway, ask and he'll give it to you. Ask him for somebody that needs Jesus. Put him, put him right smack in your face and he'll do that. Father, keep us safe in our coming and our going. Help us to endure the persecution. Lord, to stand up for the gospel for the, with the good news, Lord. I commit this church family into your hands. Those who are watching online, Lord, bless them. Bless our homes. Show favor on us everywhere we go, Lord. I pray for promotions with uh, jobs, Lord. I pray that you would bless our, our families who are growing. Lord, bless those who want children with children. Uh, Lord, again, things that only you can do, we just lift them up to you today and then keep us safe in our coming and in our going. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Have a great week.